Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because because now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Hope you had a great weekend and a great start to the brand new week. We have a lot to get into on this episode, so you definitely want to stick around your radios because we'll be talking about USA basketball. Is it time for a switch or do they even care? Also, the NFL training camps. Yes, football is back. Are you ready for some football? Because I know I am. I know you fans out there are ready to get back into these stadiums and fill them up the way that we're accustomed to. Also, we'll get into, yeah, what have you done for me lately? Texas and Oklahoma is asking the Big 12 that, and they're about to shake the spot. Ah, Where does that leave the rest of the Big 12 teams in that conference? Also, we'll get into the moment's brunch. And yes, you have to hear my Milk Cart All-Star Award for the week. Some of you may love it. Some of you may not. But hey, who the hell cares as long as you listen to it? Uh, make sure you follow me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Now, USA Basketball. USA Basketball, and we know about the loss to France. They're going to play tomorrow. Uh, moving forward, and hopefully they get back to their winning ways. But that that loss snapped a long-time winning streak for USA Basketball, the men's team specifically. When I look at USA Basketball in this team, obviously there are a lot of variables that go on with this. Now, of course, we had, we're dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic that threw the games off for a whole year, which extended it to 2021. I know there were a lot of players that withdrew the invitation because of COVID, because they were they were not allowed to have their families present to cheer them on in the stands like previous Olympic Games that we've been accustomed to. So I know that had a factor in it. The NBA season was out of whack because of how they started the short offseason, the 72-game season, then the playoffs, and later on the NBA Finals, which went to the Milwaukee Bucks. But here's the thing that I look at with USA Basketball. In this team in particular, because a lot of people are saying, hey, man, does, you, does USA basketball even care about competing in the Olympic Games moving forward? I'm not going to say they don't care, but from an ocular standpoint, it makes, makes you question. It makes you scratch your head and wonder what's next for USA basketball. Because let me tell you something. If this team does not get gold, it's going to be a serious problem. And it's going to be a lot more question marks swirling around USA Basketball and the Olympic Committee that chooses and goes after the, the particular NBA players that they've they've acquired for this team moving forward. It reminds me, this team reminds me of the 2014. Who was the coaching staff on the 2014? Larry Brown and Greg Popovich. Now, I'm not here to take anything from Greg Popovich because I think Greg Popovich is an outstanding, great coach when it comes to NBA when it comes to the San Antonio Spurs, you think of you. We always talk about Tim Duncan. We talk about the Admiral David Robinson. You think about R.C. Buford upstairs. But we also have to think about Greg Popovich when it comes to basketball, 
primarily the San Antonio Spurs and the dynasties that they've gone through and that they've had over the course of time. So I'm not here to take anything away from Greg, Pop Greg Popovich's greatness. But what I will say on the international level, I'm not convinced that this is the right coach for this team. Now, he's had a huge he's had huge boots to fill when it comes to the sideline walking of head coaches, because you look at Coach K and what he's been able to accomplish in the time that he was coaching Team USA and those and, and what it what happened. He got three gold medals out of it. Right. OK, so what I'm saying is sometimes just because we, we want to play the name game doesn't mean that the name is going to be the greatest fit for that particular situation or system. We all know FIBA rules are a little bit different. And I do believe that Greg Popovich could coach. However, he's got to have the right personnel in place. And I do believe if we didn't go through COVID, unless even if they did postpone the games for whatever reason, they had to postpone them for a year or move locations. I do believe a lot of the players would have that, that wanted to originally come on board would have stayed on board. I'm not saying anything against this team. I, I like that the players that only I, I like, you know, uh, Devin Booker. I like Chris Middleton. I like uh, Ke uh, Kevin Durant. It's sad that Bradley Beal uh, was dealing with COVID issues and he was unable to continue on with the team because I would love to see Bradley Beal compete. Uh, and, so, and, you know, Damian Lillard and countless other guys that are on this squad. But where is the leadership? I don't see leadership. I'm not saying there are no leaders on this team, but I don't see leadership. Let's take it back when we talk about USA basketball, primarily the men's teams. Go back to the 92 Dream Team. Who were the leaders on that team? Do you recall? Some of you may recall. Some of you may, weren't even probably born yet listening to this broadcast. But I'm going to remind you, the leaders on those teams in 92, primarily Michael Jeffrey Jordan, the GOAT, and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. That's not to say that there weren't other, other leaders on that team, but you saw the leadership presence that remained. You go to the 96th Dream Team 2. There were leaders on that team. When you go to the 2008 Redeem Team, who were the leaders on that team? The late, great Kobe Bryant and LeBron James. Of course, you saw occasional leadership from Chris Paul as well. I don't want to take anything away from that. But the primary leaders you saw on that team were Kobe Bryant and LeBron James to the point where Kobe said, I don't want to shoot. I'll just play defense the rest of this half and let everybody else shoot. That's leadership at its finest. We all know how great Kobe could score. But he said, no, the long term, I want to win. I want to dominate. So this is exactly what you had when it came to that the 2012 team once again kobe bryant lebron james what did that result in 50 point blowouts carmelo anthony playing defense and guess what they got a gold medal the toughest challenge was spain because they had a they had a still uh, in his prime pal gasol that was the toughest challenge that Team USA faced. Everything else was a breeze. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't work hard, but it was a breeze. They, 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 was, they were the best thing on the floor. 2016, who was the leader? LeBron James. What did that result in? Gold. 
But I don't see that type of leadership on this team. Now, Draymond Green is a leader. I believe Kevin Durant could be a leader. But I don't see it permeating throughout the body of this team. I just don't. And I think that's part of the problem as well. We could talk about chemistry issues. We could talk about having time to jail because I think that's also important. But leadership, I don't see that. And that's part of this problem. And let me tell you something. If you get bronze or silver, it's time to overhaul USA basketball, as far as I'm concerned. You're going to have to make, be, make an aggressive turn. And you're going to have to be super aggressive to get the kind of players that are needed to bring to restore the greatness that is USA basketball for the men's team. So what I'm saying is if you don't get things together and if they come up short and they don't do what they're supposed to do, it is high time to turn over the ranks to someone else. And then also, too, there's another part of this. Has the world caught up to USA basketball? And I think that's another important point to go over. When you look at Team Nigeria, Who's coaching team Nigeria? And what needs to happen? Do we need to step our game up? Maybe we got lazy. Maybe we got complacent. Maybe we got to a point where we just, you know, we, we took it for granted because of all those years we had gold medals from the 2008 redeemed team to 2016. Maybe we just took it for granted. We're just going to waltz up in here and just run roughshod over everybody. Forgetting that, yeah, some of those some of those players on those international teams also play in NBA competition as well. But when it's time to go internationally, they go ahead with their respective home country teams and they go ahead and get the job done. And don't think that they didn't pick up some of the habits during the NBA season and brought those same habits back to their respective countries and their teams. See, they soaked up a lot of game. So they were able to disseminate that game to their fellow countrymen in uniform and be able to show them a few things so they could be on point when it comes to competition internationally to compete for a gold medal for their respective countries. I think USA basketball, maybe they got a little lazy. Maybe they got a little complacent. Maybe there's no fire left. Because there's no way you should lose to France. There's no way you should lose to any team. With the level, the skill set level that you have on this squad, there's no reason. And you had a whole extra year to get ready. You had an extra year to get ready because everybody's going to come after you. When you win that many gold medals, you have the hugest, the, the largest, hugest, whatever word you want to use. <laughs> you have the biggest target on your back. Everybody's gunning for you. Everybody's going to to be in your pathway because they wanted to throw you as the best. I mean, coming up, USA's play in Iran, and then they have another team to play on the 31st. And then August 6th is the gold medal game. August 7th will be the bronze game. Which two games will Team USA be playing in? I'm sure they're going for the, the gold medal game, but they could be playing on August 7th in the bronze game a repeat of 2004, which led to the redeemed team in 2008. So we'll find that out and we'll see what happens moving forward. 
Let's talk a little football because, yes, thank God, ladies and gentlemen, football is coming back. We need it like a smoker with a sweet tooth. And let me tell you something. I cannot wait. I am excited about the NFL season kicking off. Yes, there is 17 games this year, so that means there is an extra game in the schedule. Yes, there, there are going to be seven area, excuse me, seven seeds in the AFC, seven seeds in the NFC for playoff pictures. Man, I can't wait. The L.A. Rams are returning to camp with a brand-new quarterback. Unfortunately, took a huge blow, losing their number one running back in Cam Akers. But Matthew Stafford, who seemingly has a strong arm, who is more than likely an upgrade from Jared Goff last, the last few seasons, looks to complete a mission that, that, that the Rams have been on since they returned to Los Angeles, which is capturing a Super Bowl championship. With the pieces in place, and I look at this L.A. Rams team, right? And I look at this L.A. Rams team and I'm saying to myself, this is a team that I can see going 11 and 6, winning the division. Because I think they'll win more division games and they'll lose games outside of the division versus losing games inside the division. And I know a lot of people want to talk about Seattle and Russell West, Russell Wilson. And yes, Russell Wilson, as great as he is, there's still a lot of gaping holes on the, both sides of the ball for the Seattle Seahawks. But for the L.A. Rams, like I said, I question a couple of things myself. I'm looking at some things on the defensive end. I'm also looking at the O-line. And I'm also looking at the running game. Because now that you have a, a, a gaping hole, well, then I say a gaping hole, now that you have a hole, with the loss of Cam Akers. I mean, you still have Daryl Henderson. I like Xavier Jones. You got a rookie in Jake Funk. So there are a lot of pieces out there that can continue to get keep the, keep the chains moving, keep the ball rolling. But to me, I think they need to go after maybe a veteran presence at running back. Now, there's a couple of names out there. We all know about Alfred Morris. We know about Todd Gurley. But I would personally go after Adrian Peterson if I could. He's a, he's a free agent. Agent Peterson is very familiar with Matthew Stafford, who, who he played with in Detroit last year. So there's familiarity there. There's a guy who has a veteran presence. He knows how to get the job done. Future Hall of Famer. This is a guy that you may need to take to split the reps with Daryl Henderson. So there's not too much pressure on Daryl Henderson. Remember, Daryl Henderson rushed for 624 yards last year on five TDs. One yard shy of being the Rams leading rusher. Cam Akers was 625 yards last year, despite missing several games through the season. And this is a kid that continues to excel. And on Sunday, the rookies reported to training camp for the Los Angeles Rams, along with the quarterbacks. And Matthew Stafford appeared. And I had a chance to ask Matthew Stafford, what was it like? And what are, you, what are, what are some of the things that you have to deal with with losing such a tremendous talent like Cam Akers, and what happens next for this team? How can you move this team forward? And here's what he had to say. Really tough to see, you know, that happen to a, a young guy that's a really, you know, promising, talented player. Unfortunately, that's kind of the name of the game in the NFL. Uh, you hate to see it happen in the offseason when we're playing a game or something. But, you know, next man up, um, you know, those guys are going to battle it out. And, you know, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll do whatever we can to make the running game as good as we possibly can. Um, Cam was a really, you know, really productive player as a – as a young guy last year, and then we were looking for a lot out of him this year. But uh, next man up, we'll go from there. Um, you know, wish him the best, obviously. 
So, yes, I totally agree with him. I think it is the next man up mentality. But I, I like the way that he worded it because he said, look, even though it's next man up, we cannot forget Cam is still a part of this team. So we'll do everything we can to continue to move it forward. But we still have to remember that Cam is a part of this team, which he's absolutely right. And when I look at this team, I, look, I, I mean, they're going to have a, a huge aerial attack. They are loaded to the gills at wide receiver, tight end. Um, I, like, I like what they have on defense. Ernest Jones is a kid that I really, really admired and really respected after the, 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 the conversation that we had on Sunday uh, with him and those of us that were in the media that were there in Newport Beach. And this is a kid that not only has the mental for football, because I think he's immensely talented. I think he's going to get a chance at some point to show off that those talented skills. But this man has a heart for people. And when I asked him what he wanted to do, you know, as far as having an impact outside of football, he said, listen, man, I just want to I want to help the homeless. He said, every time I see a homeless person, it hits me to the core. So I want to be able to work with the homeless and work with the youth around the communities of Los Angeles. And I said, this kid has his head on straight. He comes from very humble beginnings. His mom has come from a single mom who worked her fingers to the bone to provide everything they needed for him. And this is a kid that will not take this opportunity for granted. The Rams, I will say, between Les Snead and Sean McVay, draft not only talented players, but good character guys. And this kid is of a good character. So I'm very much looking forward to the Los Angeles Rams this season. Hopefully they stay healthy and they don't lose anybody else that is that, that could be a detriment to them on the path to Super Bowl 56 in L.A. Coming up on the other side of the break, I'll be getting to the Los Angeles Chargers and we'll, what, what can we expect from the Los Angeles Chargers. And we'll get into Texas and Oklahoma about to bounce from the Big 12. Mm. We'll get into that and all that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Stay tuned. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungo by Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker ever. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio Sirius XM. Yeah. All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you hit me up and follow me on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Now, before the break, we were getting into the Los Angeles Rams and what to deal with when it comes to their training camp as they move forward to, to start the 2021 regular season. Obviously, they have pre, three preseason games, uh, opening game against the Los Angeles Chargers, then another game week two of preseason against the Raiders, and they fly out to Denver to face the Broncos before coming back home to host the Chicago Bears at SoFi Stadium. This team is loaded. I like the way that they're constructed. Again, it's going to be interesting to see what they do on the defensive end uh, because they lost quite a few pieces, especially in the secondary. So, It'll be interesting to see what Raheem Morris comes up with as a defensive coordinator to keep the defense intact. You always have a fighting chance when you have a guy, a three-time defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald, and you got a, a guy like Jalen Ramsey in the secondary. You still got a fighting chance. So again, I picked the Raider. Excuse me, I picked the Rams at eleven and six and to win the NFC West division. So we'll see. Stay tuned. All right, moving across the field, 
that all, another team that also plays at SoFi Stadium are the Los Angeles Chargers. And coming into Justin Herbert's second year as the starting quarterback, leading the franchise and hopefully leading them to a playoff berth and possibly a deep playoff run. Justin Herbert has been absolutely phenomenal in his rookie season. He was thrown in the fire, as you all recall, uh, week two uh, because of the injection shot to then starter Tyrod Taylor. He was thrown into the fray about five, ten minutes before kickoff against the Super Bowl champion, then Kansas City Chiefs and forced overtime and the team and the Chargers happened to lose the game by three points thanks to a field goal by the Kansas City Chiefs but Justin Herbert was absolutely phenomenal in that game he was surprising to even Pat Mahomes who had to give him his respect as a rookie coming into the league Justin Herbert is a is a kid that they're going to have to definitely build around this kid and they've done some you know Tom Telesco has done some remarkable has done a remarkable job with drafting in the last couple of years especially this year getting the o-line together and making sure they had that justin herbert has enough protection to at least get the ball off whether it's a handoff or whether it's throwing it out to keaton allen or mike williams or, or jerry cook or someone of that stature so to me i pick i have the the chargers at 10 and 7 i think 10 games is obtainable for this for this team i think it's going to be a lot of splits within the division especially against the Denver Broncos and possibly the Kansas City Chiefs. They cannot get swept by the Chiefs if they want a chance at trying to get into the playoffs, especially with a wild card. This team, I like the I like the aerial attack of this team. I do have some questions at tight end, especially with Jerry Cook, because he's definitely over the hill. But I do think he can still catch the ball. I think it's going to still be incredibly difficult for defenders to bring him down because of his size and stature. But he can't give you any more yards after the catch. That's that's a no-go. I think he's two years past his prime. Uh, but he's still a guy that's serviceable, that can help Justin Herbert uh, to get the ball off and to move the chains. Need I say more about Keenan Allen? Keenan Allen is one of the top receivers in the NFL, not top three. Give that man his respect. Because that man has earned it, he's worked towards it, and he's one of the top three wide receivers in the National Football League. Yeah, I said it. I don't give a damn about a Madden rating. I don't care about anything like that. I see. I know what I see on the field. I know the work this man puts in year in and year out. So give that man his respect and give that man his flowers while you still can. Because he's an incredible wide receiver talent. On the other side, you have Mike Williams, who... Hopefully he can stay healthy for the entire season because we all know he's been injury prone. I call him the football version of Anthony Davis because he's immensely talented, but he can't stay healthy in the entire season. And that's good. And that, and that's a detriment. If you're trying to make a, a playoff push, you need all of your guys as healthy as they can. We all know it's a long grueling season. Guys are banged up usually near the end of the season. That's understandable, but you have to be on the field to make significant contributions. And we all know those 50-50 balls when it comes to Mike Williams are usually 80-20 balls when it comes to him because he can jump out of the gym. He can jump to the sky. So it's going to be very imperative that Mike Williams stays healthy. I saw recently he had a brand-new look. He cut off the locks, so now he has a brand-new look. So hopefully that will make him even faster with less weight, less hair. will make him even faster. So look out – you know, I, I look out for opposing defenses because Mike Williams is going to be no joke. And I'm sure he's going to be destined to try to stay healthy and do what he, all he can to remain on the field and have Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers move forward throughout the season. I have a lot of question marks at running back. I'm not strong on the running game. I like Austin Eckler, but I don't think Austin Eckler is a number one 
uh, running back. I think he's a strong number two. Um, but we'll find out this coming season what Brandon Staley has up his sleeve. But I'm not convinced on the running game. Uh, the defense, if, J if, Der if Derwin James can stay healthy along with Nazir Adderley, I think they're going to be a, a dynamic combo because as, as talented as Derwin James is, he's a leader on the, on the field. He has a commanding voice. He can beat you inside and out. So it's going to be a nightmare for opposing offenses to keep to find out exactly where Derwin James is. You also got a guy like Joey Bosa, who's one who's a bookend, who you have to also have to keep an eye out on because this guy can hurt you in more ways than one. So they have, a, I think they have a pretty strong defense. Brandon Staley being the former defensive coordinator for the LA Rams and previously the Chicago Bears, I think that that, that defensive mindset is going to be impactful with the, the Chargers defense. So it's going to be interesting to see what transpires this year. But they got three new guys on the O-line. So this is why I said it. I think they can, they can definitely win 10 games uh, and then maybe be the sixth or the seventh seed in the AFC when it comes to the playoff picture. Now, Green Bay. I did pick Green Bay to win a division early on. This before Aaron Rodgers and company decided they may part ways. Maybe he returns to the field. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? We'll find out tomorrow and later on in the week if he decides to stay or he's going to end up retiring because he doesn't want to play for the Packers. But if he does come back for the Packers, I do have the Packers winning the division. Um, in the AFC North, I think I picked the Baltimore Ravens to win the division. Um, I think they just have a better quarterback system over the Cleveland Browns. I think they have a, a more consistent base, and I think they have more experience when it comes to going into the playoffs under Lamar Jackson versus Baker Mayfield. And that's not a knock against Baker Mayfield because he has two top wide receivers uh, in his foes, one of them OBJ. And if, they can get, if he can get them the ball, look out. I think Cleveland is, is, is ascending, but they haven't quite arrived just yet. Uh, when I look in the AFC West, I got Kansas City winning the West. Pat Mahomes. I mean, what more do I need to say? AFC South. Uh, I think I had the AFC South. I think I had the Indianapolis Colts winning the AFC South. Uh, NFC South. Tampa Bay, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I mean, what can I say? Super Bowl champs could be back. And I always said this, too. The NFC has three top teams. The, the, the Bucks, the Rams, and the Packers. And there's everybody else. So I can't wait for training camp to jump off. By this time next week, I would have had a better assessment of the Los Angeles Chargers and the LA Rams as they engage uh, later on this week into training camp and seeing what bright stars come out of there. And I'll have a full report. If you keep up with me, I'll have a full report on both teams as they continue to get through training camp and head into the preseason and later on the regular season. Now, Texas and Oklahoma, keeping it on the football note, two powerhouses, Big 12 conference, not necessarily a big conference, but we all know these are the two bookends of the, of the Big 12 conference, Texas and Oklahoma. We all know Texas can pretty much sustain itself because of all the money they've been able to generate, including getting their own network, which is the Longhorn Network. They are the modern day Notre Dame, as it were. Texas doesn't really need a conference, but they do in a sense because they want to continue to compete and recruit 
and get into the college football playoff and be able to have a legitimate chance of competing for a national championship like at a time in the days when Mac Brown was the head coach with Vince Young as his quarterback. So Texas is looking, looking and pushing closer to getting into a, a, a much stronger conference in the SEC. SC, if, if Texas and Oklahoma move to the SEC, which they made an announcement this week that they are not renewing their media rights that are set to expire in 2025 with the Big 12 Conference. Now, I know the Big 12 Executive Committee was, was scheduled to meet with Texas and Oklahoma officials, but I think their mind is made up. It's too little, too late. It's no more baby, 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 please, and begging and pleading and whining and dining. That's all too late. When she's gone, she's gone. There's nothing you can do about it. When she's fed up, there's nothing you can do about it. And I think Texas and Oklahoma are fed up with the Big 12 Conference, and they see something a lot more glitzy and glamorous in the SEC when you have teams like Alabama and other teams in the SEC that are definitely getting the recognition that they've earned and deserved. And why would you not want to be a part of that? Now, they do need 11 out of the 14 votes to get into the conference. And we all know one school in particular is definitely going to be dead set against them joining the SEC, and that's Texas A&M, uh, because they once left the Big 12 to the SEC, and they don't want two of their quote-unquote neighbors joining them on the block. They want to be exclusive. Guess what? I got money, too. I could get on the block. I can buy a house on the block just like you. So guess what happens? I get to join. I could be on Star Island, too. I got $40 million. I'm going to buy a house on Star Island. You're not the only one that got $40, $50 million to buy a house on Star Island. I could buy one, too. That's exactly what Texas and Oklahoma are saying. We want that bread. And what's interesting is that I learned something the other day about this whole merger. So the 16, if they, if they join the SEC, it'll be a 16-team super conference that can generate maximum TV revenue. See, that's what this is about. This is about, obviously, this is about money, but this is about more money, more money, more money, more money. Because TV revenue, we all know with TV revenue, numbers get astronomical. Texas and Oklahoma are expected to bump the SEC per team revenue to more than $60 million. 60. The Big 12 is, is expected to pay out $40 million for the 2021-2022 season. $60 million per team. How many teams do you think will go against Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC? Not named Texas A&M in Arkansas. And I, eventually Arkansas will jump on board because they want the revenue. Because who the hell really goes to Arkansas? Just be honest. The LSUs of the world, the Alabamas, Floridas, normally where kids go. They get on TV damn near every week. Georgia. They get on TV every week. So you think Texas and, and Oklahoma bumping up the revenue, that won't intrigue and entice other teams to say, you know what? Hey, come on. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Bring it on. Now, let's not let's let's not let's take it back a bit because I remember because I've covered the Pac-12 for many years. And Larry Scott, who I think did a, a solid job in the beginning and fell the hell off later on, and that's why he's no longer the commissioner. 
And once upon a time, there was talk of Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State joining the Pac-12. If you remember, there was a video with Larry Scott sitting next to Jerry Jones at Cowboy Stadium in a suite talking. Do you think they were talking about the Cowboys? No. You think they were talking about who has the prettiest stadium? No, because we all know Jerry's world was, was sports ever before SoFi Stadium was constructed. They were talking about trying to move teams and get adequate venues to elevate the Pac-12. But, of course, Larry, Larry fumbled the ball and the talks broke off. And here we are with the SEC. So what does the Pac-12 do? Because the Pac-12 also has to be very careful because if, if they're not, they're going to be an extinct conference after so many years because you can't keep the same teams and, and expect more and better revenue. No one's going to give a damn. You have to change your scheduling of games. No Pac-12 school should play past 6.30 p.m. Pacific time, in my estimation. Now, I understand the SEC and the ACC have contractual time, time slots when it comes to broadcasting their games on the East Coast and around the country. But if you're the Pac-12, why wouldn't you try to get a 12-30, game? Especially if you want the East Coast writers to watch your players in your conference. If you say you're one of the best conferences in the, in college football, then how can the hell how the hell can they see that if they're going to bed at night? If your game started eight thirty at night on the East Coast, who's going to stay up past nine ten o'clock on the East Coast on a Saturday night after they filed all their stories that they've been watching college football all day long? Who's going to do that? How much relevance do you have? And this is why a lot of times. Kids on the uh, kids out here desire to go to the SEC or the ACC conference because they know they can be seen. Alabama just got a quarterback from California. How's that happen when you have USC, Oregon, UCLA, and schools like that? You know why? Because even the kids are starting to recognize the Pac-12 is not as strong as they say they are. And I watch the Pac-12 week in and week out. And I'm not dogging the conference. I'm not down in the conference. I'm saying they're going to have to make aggressive moves with the Big 12 disbanding because once Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big 12 officially, the Big 12 is done. Who the hell cares? So if you want to move a UNLV to the Pac-12, if you want to move a Oklahoma State, a Texas Tech, or a Baylor, or somebody like that into the Pac-12, why not go after it? Recruiting. You get into the Texas market now. You get into the Oklahoma market, mainly the Texas market. So the, the fact that you're able to get to that Texas market gives you a, a wider scope of talent to be able to display when it comes to college football on Saturdays and making your conference stronger. Because after you blew with Texas and Oklahoma, what it, what's left? Slim pickings. So get it together, Pac-12, because damn it, you're going to need so, or there'll be just a power three conference. The ACC, the SEC, and the Big Ten. Imagine that. All right, y'all, coming up on the other side of the break, we'll get into the Moments Brunch, as well as the Milk Card All-Star of the Week Award, and 
who's really on the move in the NBA. All that and more coming up on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Stay tuned. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. What's going on, everybody? Final segment of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you hit me up and follow me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA and also catch me at www.nightcastmedia.com, your gateway to sports, pop culture, tech, and community events of color and serving the people itself. That's www.nightcastmedia.com. All right, y'all. So I don't know about you, but I had to bring in my guy who helps me out each and every week here on this fine program, the one and only, the future award winner, <laughs> Big Brother Jake, a.k.a. Jake Warner, his government name. What's going on, man? Man, just chilling, man. How you doing today, bro? Hey, man, getting through the day, brother. That's all I can say. That's what's up, man. That's what I'm saying. Hey, man, you know, it's been a lot going on this week, man, but I definitely want to dive into it. So I don't know about you, man, but I'm ready to eat. Man, let's do this. Let's get it. All right. Former two-time World Series champion and self-proclaimed Afro-American, Aubrey Huff, took to Twitter to tweet out his thoughts on the first all-women broadcast in MLB history. Huff tweeted, women are for after the game, not during the game. Was he serious or was he being obnoxious? Oh, he he was definitely serious. He was obnoxious because he's a, you know what? (laughs) Aubrey Huff is a complete douchebag. Yes, he is. Because for you to say something so degrading and so disrespectful of women, lets me know you were born in a cave. Because that's how cavemen think. Yes. Or at least that's what we read about how cavemen think. I have no idea my people that come from caves. <laughs> but what I will say is this. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people's people didn't come from caves because they don't have that type of mentality. Right. They have a very progressive mentality, no matter what color you come from. Mm-hmm. But to sit, sit up there and disrespect people like Alana Rizzo and several other young ladies that have completely earned their way to getting to that opportunity to be on the broadcast team right. and have make such historical uh, strides and, and moves as it pertains to us trying to be progressive in society. It's completely disrespectful. And this is a dude that claims to be alpha American, which is, I, th- I believe, is right wing conservative. Yeah, oh, he's hardcore uh, with yeah. that, too. So we'll, we'll, I won't even touch on his racist, act, 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 you know, contributions. I won't even touch on that. We'll just touch on this. He's being definitely serious, but he's definitely being obnoxious at the same time. He's a complete jackass. And to me, for you to sit up here and disrespect these women, I've watched, I've had the pleasure of watching Alana Rizzo the last, I believe, five or six years. Right, yeah. I mean, covering the Dodgers. And that woman is incredible. She's a phenomenal reporter. Yes. She's a great, she has a great rapport with players, knows how to interact. She's broken stories, even when the teams didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I've seen her break stories. And one of the nicest, most down-to-earth people willing to help you if you need to have a question or something like that. But she's definitely proficient at her job. She is class personified. And I'm sure the rest of the young ladies that are also on that broadcast have definitely done the work and put in the time. Right. So congratulations to Alana Rizzo. Congratulations to the rest of the young ladies uh, that are on that MLB broadcast because they deserve it. I am happy that MLB is starting to be progressive and, and tap into the 21st century. 
when it comes to having this. So screw Aubrey Huff. You know you're bad when the team has nothing to do with you, even when they have reunions for the World Series championship team. So, yeah, that guy, I don't even want to talk about it because I I don't want to take up any more time on your show, bro. Moving on. (laughs) With venues opening back up to fans and a bunch of concert dates scheduled this year, which two concert venues are you looking forward to seeing? Oh, that's a good one, man. You know what? First of all, hopefully they stay open because with this Delta oh, no. variant that's no. going around. Going backwards. Numbers, yeah, we hustling backwards, man. Please, <laughs> please. I mean, if, if if you're vaccinated or not, please wear a mask. Please practice social distancing just so we don't have to continue. To, people don't get infected. Right. And it's not staggering numbers. I know people can still get it. Obviously, if you're if you have been vaccinated, you can still get it. Just the, the symptoms are not as severe as a person that. Uh, apparently doesn't have the vaccine. But regardless, please keep the social distancing. Please wear your mask. It's not that big of a deal. If we all want to get off punishment and get off the porch, you got to do certain <laughs> things to, to really, you know, to really move forward, man, and, and get past this thing. So uh, to me, uh, I'm looking forward to a day in L- Once Upon a Time in L.A., which oh, is yeah. Baki D's concert, the ultimate concert of the year out here on the West Coast in Los Angeles in December at Bank of California Stadium. So I'm definitely looking forward to that concert. Also, One Music Fest is back in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Uh, They took the year off, obviously, because of COVID. They couldn't do what they wanted to do, but now they're back. They got an awesome lineup as well. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And then there's another concert, I believe, in Brooklyn with her and Maxwell headlining. Uh, I think Ari Lennox is part of that. Um, it's, it's a star-studded lineup, so I'm definitely – so I know you said two, but I had to throw the third one in there, <laughs> Jake. So don't, don't penalize me, but what concerts are you looking forward to? Well, you know, that, that one day in L.A., that one – I mean, if you were born in L.A. and you were born and you have at least one hit, you're on the venue. Like, and they got everybody from the West, man. Like, they pull people out of retirement down there and say, hey, we need you to come and do this concert, y'all. So, I mean, I'd love to do it. I'm a little leery, though, because of, you know, us going backwards here in California with the Delta variant and all that. But I would probably risk risk it to see that that show, man. That, that's a huge venue. But that's the one I, I most definitely uh, look forward to. And there's a couple of small venues here in L.A. I, I love Hawaiian reggae. So, you know, I, I'm into that. And okay. There's a couple of venues that are they're going to have some festivals this, this year uh, because they postponed them last year. So I'm down, man. I'm ready for that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm definitely looking forward, you know, to to different shows and things like that because I think it's time for it, man. We we've been in, we've been cooped up, oh yeah, for way too long, way too and, long. Uh, you know, it's just something that, uh, you know, you definitely want to be a part of. But I got to shout out my girl Chrissy B, man, who put on a over the past weekend. Mm-hmm. She had a, her fifth annual music and media conference, man, where she had a lot of performances. West Coast people. She had ciphers. Uh, shout out to Keen Crooked, Crooked Eye, who came and sat down and talked with her on stage. Oh, that's dope. Uh, shout out to Homegrown Radio, who showed up. Um, and a lot of acts, man. Quincy White, um, Airplane James. Yes. Uh, you know, countless other artists from the, from from L.A., Southern California, and the West Coast showed up and showed out. So props to Chrissy B for putting that on. Five years is, is, is a long time, man. Right. And, you know, she's definitely focused. You know, she's she's entrenched into the culture. So shout out to her. So that was one venue definitely I want to mention as well. Absolutely, absolutely, man. 
should bring back the times of the Good Life Cafe, man, out here in L.A., you know, where you had, like, Freestyle Fellowship and, you know, all, all those cats who used to run. But, you know, I'm old did school, you see, baby. Did you see the, the Netflix special they did on them? The no, on no. It? It's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely checking that out, man. That's around yeah. my, my time, my era right there, bro. Like Medusa yeah. and uh, Charlie Tuna and yes. all, of, all of yeah. those cats. Like you said, Freestyle Fellowship. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely checking yeah, it's, out, it's, bro. It's a pretty dope documentary. It's some things I kind of was like, and eh, okay, dude. But a lot of it is definitely it's, it's definitely worth worth the watch. It's I'm all over that. Watch. No doubt about it. Yeah. So before we go off of here, I just want to shout out the ladies that were uh, featured in, in the all-female MLB broadcast. Obviously, Melanie Newman, Sarah Langs as an analyst, Alana Rizzo, as I mentioned earlier, Heidi uh, Watney, and Lauren Gardner. Uh, who hosted the pre and post game coverage shout out of to the them. game? So shout out to them for sure. I didn't want to not leave this brunch without mentioning their name. So that is the moments brunch for this week. Thank you, brother Jake, big brother Jake, for yes, uh, applying that. Yes, sir. All right. So as you know, the NBA players are on the move now. Everybody is rumored to be with the Lakers. This guy's with the coming to the Lakers. This guy, the Lakers are targeting Jack from Jack in the box. They're targeting Ronald McDonald. They're targeting the cows from Chick-fil-A. They're targeting like every day. It's a new report about who the Lakers are supposedly targeting and not targeting. I here's my thing. The Lakers have got to figure out who they really want. Now we all, we, we've heard about Russell Westbrook, right? And how they're targeting that. But Russell has, I believe a $47 million dollar, uh, contract that he can actually opt into because the Lakers are not going to be able to pay him that much. Chris Paul is is due $44 million next year. Do you think he, he seriously opts out for taking way less money? That's like if you made $15 an hour and somebody told you, hey, man, come over here for $3. You going to take the $3? You going to take the $12 hit? No. I don't care if it's the most glamorous company in the world and they give you stock options. There's no guarantee that stock option is going to rise. And that's what I look at when it comes to Chris Paul. There's no guarantee the Lakers are going to win a chip just because he jumps on board. But even if he even if he did jump on board for the Lakers, to even pay him some kind of money. Montrez Harrell has got to opt in to his deal. And he has until July 31st to make a decision if he's going to opt in or opt out. According to Eric Pincus, uh, who is great when he's a he's a complete capologist. This man knows the ins and outs when it comes to numbers and salaries and things of that nature. So that's going to be interesting in itself. I tend to believe the Lakers should go after a guy like Bradley Bill. I think Bradley Bill is definitely comparable to what they're looking for. I don't even mind them getting a DeMar DeRozan. I think DeMar DeRozan would be comparable. But I've also heard trade talks that have been reports about you know Kyle Kuzma going to Sacramento for Buddy Hill. Now I think that favors more Sacramento than it does the Lakers because Kuzma could flourish in Luke Walton's system better than he could in Frank Vogel's system. But Buddy Hill, where does he fit in? You see what I'm saying? So I don't know where that fits in, but I did I did I did some looking around. You know me, Jake. I'm gonna do a little digging. I'm gonna be a gardener. I'm gonna do a little digging. Of course, of course. We know this. I'm gonna do a little bit of digging. At least at least enough <laughs> why enough that can sustain me. Yes, sir. To where I know 
<laughs> at least there's a possible situation. Now, let's say the Wizards and the Warriors made a trade. So we all know the Warriors have the number seven and number 14 picks, right? So what if what if the Warriors, okay, the Warriors currently have the Splash Brothers, Draymond Green, James Wiseman, the rookie that they drafted, who I think is incredible talent. They have Andrew Wiggins. Kelly Oubre is now a free agent, so you can kind of take him out the mix, but they still got Andrew Wiggins, right? So what if the Wizards, what if the Warriors traded Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, the number seven pick this year, and the 2023 first-round pick for Bradley Beal and Thomas Bryant from the Wizards? I like that. <laughs> I do, too. I like that a lot, actually. I think if they added Bradley Beal to that mix Man. and you get you, a, you you acquire a couple of veterans to round out the bench yes, sir. with Steve Kerr, I think they're I think the Warriors are back. They're back and better than ever. And they're gonna be distancing themselves from teams like the Lakers and the Clippers. Yes, they would. Now there's also been reports that Kawhi is scheduled to opt back in to his deal with the Clippers. So that helps the Clippers because at least they get to keep the nucleus together moving forward. Absolutely. But this Warriors deal, if they pull that off. That could change the whole West. They could change the whole landscape of the NBA. Yes, sir. <laughs> and also, too, I'm not sure if Dame Lillard's going to stay in Portland. I don't think so either. I think he's tired. He can't do it by himself, brother. So can you imagine if Dame went to Boston? Oh. They already got pieces in place, man. They just they they wanted too short. Or went to the Miami Heat. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> because here's the thing. I always said the Miami Heat were one player away from getting back to the finals. Yeah. Because you're gonna have competition. I don't think Milwaukee's a dynasty. No. But I think they'll be they'll be in the playoffs again for certain. They will be. They're one and done though. I don't see a, a dynasty coming from Milwaukee at all. Just don't. Like it's gonna Detroit. be inter- it, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do in Philadelphia with the Sixers because I think they have to split up Ben Simmons and Joel and B. Yeah, that's that, got to happen. That that process has not processed out at all. The process is done. Yes, it is. <laughs> it has been undercooked. Throw it away. <laughs> delete and forget about it. Delete, delete. What, what my man Matt Hardy used to say: Delete, 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 yeah. delete, delete, delete. <laughs> <laughs> You took me back with that one. <laughs> That's what they need to do. But it, it, the Warriors coming back, it makes the NBA more exciting again. Let's see what the Brooklyn Nets do. You got a healthy Kyrie coming back. You have a healthy James Harden coming back. You got Kevin Durant coming back. They have to add a few more pieces. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do in Brooklyn. But I would love to see Golden State against Brooklyn in the NBA Finals. That would be fun. I'd that love to would see be that. fun. That would be That'd be a fun series to watch. That'd be a bounce back series money wise for the NBA because Lord knows they did not make the money they were going to make watching the Phoenix Suns against the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, they took a hit on that one, bro. <laughs> they took a, they took a couple blows. Yes, that wasn't even a hit. They took some blows. At least one of the it, right. At least one of the teams be from a big market. They they no Milwaukee not generating funds, and that series was boring. 
I mean, it was great for the NBA on an international scale to show yeah. Giannis off like that to acquire other yeah. players to come to the NBA from other countries. Sure. The same thing right. that happened with Toronto. When Toronto won mm -hmm. the NBA championship, it showed that an international team could win an NBA championship. So, you know, when it's all said and done, come to Death Row Records. <laughs> well, I mean, you it's... want your country all in the videos, <laughs> all on the agents. You know, I mean, it was good to see Giannis, you know, win a championship. He's a he's a great player and all. And, and he's great. He's the luckiest. He's the luckiest champion I've ever is. seen in my life. He is. And, and it's good to see a team that hasn't won it before. But it wasn't entertaining at all. Like, I tuned into the last quarter just to watch. <sighs> Speaking of not being entertaining, my <laughs> Milk Carton All-Star Award goes to none other than the one and only, the Dodgers closer, Dave Roberts. Long lost son, <laughs> Kenley Jansen. Oh, man. Who blew saves. All week. <laughs> last week. All week long. All week long. He was like, he was out here in these baseball streets like, I'm here, I'm going to be here all week long. Blowing them. Whew. Man. Whew. Serving I'm up, blowing saves. Serving up meatballs all over the baseball My diamond. man was like, I'm going to be out here in these baseball streets and I'm blowing <laughs> Everything. Oh man! And then had then the fans booting, which they should have. Rightfully so, man. And of course, Dave Roberts had to come out and and put his arm around, you know, Kenley Jansen, and, right. and he that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to big up his player. He's not supposed to be like, oh, well, the fans are accurate. I mean, if he sucks, he sucks. No, that's not what he's supposed to do. So he did the right thing. But don't give here and tell me not to have the fans boo him or tell him he sucks when he's stinking up the joint. At the times he's stinking up the joint. Now, any other time he's been he's been a he's been a really good closer. But when you're stinking up the joint, I don't care if it's your own home team. You have every right to boo, tell him he sucks, tell him he's trash or he's playing like trash. But you have to know when to cut it off. No racial slurs, no throwing objects on the field at him. That's when it stops. But before that, you are all good. Please, that is my milk. Kenley Jansen is this week's. Milk Carton All-Star Award winner. Congratulations there, Kelly. Keep it up, sport. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145, presented by Nightcast Media. I thank you, each and every one of you, for listening and taking time out. If you miss any portion of this broadcast, make sure you download and subscribe to us on all streaming platforms. That's iTunes. SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and everywhere you be where you get podcasts for free 99. I'd like to thank my producer and the engineer extraordinaire, Brick Brother Jake. And also like to thank everybody at SiriusXM and Slam Radio for allowing me to host this fine pro this fine broadcast. Until next time, be safe, stay sharp. I'm out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.